And welcome to the Ritz Report. It is Thursday, January 13th, 2022. And I want to thank you for joining me on today's podcast. I hope everybody out there is doing well. We're over the hump. Hump days be past us. And here we are on Thursday, speeding toward the weekend. Hope everybody has a... Uh, good plans for the weekend. I know uh, I'm going to enjoy the weekend coming up uh, up here in the Northeast. It's chilly. Yesterday was downright freezing. Uh, I could use a little global warming when it's cold like that, but uh, it's going to be nice. It's going to be nice. Uh, thanks for joining me. You want to send notes of adoration and love or pure hatred, please email me, ritz at ritzreport.com, or check me out on the socials. I'm on Twitter and the gram at ritzreport and getter. Uh, Alex Ritz is my name on Getter. So, folks, what are we talking about today? The economy, New York City, Ontario, hospitalizations, uh, Jordan Shocktel's Substack piece that I talked about last time, pieces from the New York Times. I got a mountain of things to talk about. I'm not going to get to all of them. I know that, but we are going to get to as much of it as we can. Starting with the economies in the crapper, folks. <laughs> Not like uh, this is uh, information or news that people didn't understand with uh, Joe Biden. <laughs> Man, you are one pathetic loser. Joe Biden in the White House. We have uh, inflation and things off the charts. Awesome, isn't it? Awesome. Uh, saw some numbers today. New new car prices up 12% in the last year. Trucks, 11.6. Used cars, 38% in one year. 38%. Are you kidding me? No, I'm not kidding you. I'm not kidding you. And gas. Oh, the old gasoline, the old petrol that you can't live without. Uh, it is up 60%. So, with all of this lovely information, I decided that um, over the past few days, I went on a field trip, and I want to take you with me on that field trip, and here is what it sounded like. Welcome to this exclusive outing where we travel inside of Joe Biden's brain. Okay, so we're going to go, we're going to try to get inside of Joe Biden's head here, so I'm going to try this door. Uh, here we go. Hello. Yeah, I think we're in. Okay, let's walk in. I got my flashlight here. Uh, it looks like a, a, there's a set of stairs. Let's go ahead up these stairs. Oh, look at all these cobwebs. There's nothing going on in here. Uh, okay. What is that over there? Oh, there's a, there's a, looks like there's a number of doors here. Let's go ahead, uh, let's try this first one here. What does it say on the outside? My, my favorite things. Hmm. Let's try, <laughs> try, try this door. Hey. Okay, okay kids, you, uh, you, uh, you, you uh, have a good time in there. Let's move along here, try the next door. Uh, this one, what does it say on the outside? My, the first year of my presidency. <laughs> Joe already has a door for this. Let's try this one. Whoa, hey. <laughs> dumpster fire. <laughs> he's got a dumpster fire in his own brain. Well, at least he's got it figured out that much. When the oatmeal's not drilled down his chin, he uh, has the old dumpster fire figured out. And, okay, let's move along to this last door here. This one, what does this sign say? It's all covered in dust. <laughs> A 
accomplishments in the Senate. Okay, let's see what's behind this door. It's, it's just an empty room. <laughs> uh, I think I've seen enough for today, folks. Thanks for joining me on this, uh, this trip inside Joe Biden's brain. We'll be sure to come back and uh, do this again. Thanks for joining us on this trip inside of Joe Biden's brain. Ah, so there you go, folks. <laughs> a little trip inside Joe Biden's brain where, as you can hear from the echo and other things that are happening there, there's really not a lot going on. And that really doesn't surprise any of us because we get to watch the man on TV every day and clearly there's nothing going on. <laughs> oh, but anyway, back to the economy. It's a disaster. It's a disaster. Moving on from the economy to New York City. As you all know, I live in New York City. I have an apartment in Chelsea. And uh, that's where I hang my hat. And when I'm not in the city, I go out to Connecticut. And lately, because of the insanity that's happening in the city, uh, I've been staying outside of the city because New York City, folks, is in serious trouble. It is in serious trouble. If you don't know, we have a new Manhattan DA. His name is Bragg. His last name is Bragg. And he has decided that he's not going to prosecute felony offenses as felonies. He's decided things like armed robbery that were felonies in the past, he's just going to treat them as a misdemeanor because, you know, to do otherwise wouldn't be equitable. It wouldn't be fair, right? Because if you have a large majority of minorities committing crimes and then you prosecute all of them, well, that doesn't seem right because then you have more minorities locked up than you have white people locked up. So we can't do that. That's not woke. So... It's a disaster. The man is a disaster. He tries to claim that he grew up in Harlem and he's got street cred. Meanwhile, he grew up in a $2 million house in Harlem. Okay? So this is not a guy who came from the rough streets of New York. But he's decided that he doesn't want to do this. And now he's acting as though he's surprised that he has all of this backlash. I don't buy it for a second. The dude's a communist, right? He's a communist, Marxist, straight, straight up. And he's, he's pushing this equity agenda uh, and all this nonsense that uh, Black Lives Matter and the rest of these clowns um, are always pushing. The uh, new mayor, who is now 12 days in and a complete and utter disaster, the only thing, he did, the only thing he's done right so far is not close the schools with, with this whole Omicron nonsense that's going on, where they closed the schools in Chicago and they did things around the country. New York City schools stayed open, which is good, even though he was getting pressure to close them. So he did do that, but... He then goes and appoints his brother. <laughs> it's almost, you have to wonder who's advising this guy. Is this like, he kept the same people on that had the, that the Blasio had there to give him this unbelievably bad advice. So he appoints his brother as the head of like his, his uh, security force. Because why? Because he says that there's white supremacy and his brother's qualified to do, like white supremacy. Like, what are you talking about? Right, I am in New York for a lot of the time, and there's a, what, what are you talking about? White supremacy. This is Eric Adams. <laughs> Man, you are one pathetic loser. <laughs> uh, and the thing about it is, is you, you watch things that are going on in New York City, and it's happening in other cities, I'm sure as well. But you see the inability of the people that are supposed to be in charge to carry out the duties of the city responsibly, effectively, to keep the citizenry safe, to make it a place where businesses can thrive. And they're not doing that. 
and the fact that these COVID lockdowns are still in place. And not only are they still in place, they're, they're, they're becoming more stringent with the entire thing. How is it, and you, you see like there are businesses that are now leaving New York City, where before it was a, there was some, there was some vibe to being in New York City, right? So you, know, you had your business there, everybody wanted to be there, there was an energy in the city, you, there was always things to do, people would go out to dinner after work, there was wheeling and dealing, not just people sitting in an office working and then going home, there were things that would happen after the fact. But now the fact that the entire city is like locked up and that you need papers to go anywhere, the appeal of the city isn't there. And the fact that you can't go to, to Broadway, a lot of the shows have shut down. They've already come out and said you're going to have to do masking and all this other nonsense through like May, April or May. New York City is on the ropes and it's like the people in charge don't see it. I got an email this morning from the ladders. I don't know if you guys know what the ladders, the, that employment website, it's like, it's like a jobs website. And it's just sort of caught my eye because this is what's happening to New York City. Like this email is, it sort of captures what's going on. And the, the, the title of it is The Office is Closing. Three million jobs went permanently remote in the last three months. Three million jobs went permanently remote in the last three months. So he writes in here, two years into the pandemic, I expected the growth rate in remote work would slow down or at least it would level off. Instead, we found that 3 million additional jobs went permanently remote in the Q4 of 2021, up from 2 million jobs that went in Q3. The trend is accelerating and not slowing down. This has huge implications for all of us. And then he goes a little bit further into the data. But just looking at this, people are realizing, banks are realizing, big companies that, have a, that bring a lot of people to New York City are realizing they don't need to be in the city anymore. The city has made it not only unappealing to be there, why should I pay taxes and why should I pay all this money to New York City when I'm not getting any benefit of the city? What am I getting? I can't do anything. I can't go anywhere. My uh, employees are afraid to come to work because if they come through Penn Station, they could get slashed. They could get attacked on the subway. There's homeless people laying everywhere. They're shooting up drugs in the open. New York City now has a plan to put uh, dispensing machines for hypodermic needles around the city. Like, what? Okay, that, that's not going in the right direction. So New York City is in serious, serious trouble. Um, also, you know, Hochul had asked to say, you know, how, how many people, Governor Hochul in New York City, uh, New York State, deer in the headlights, moron, uh, had asked, you know, out of all these people that are in the hospitals that claim they're there with COVID, like how many are there from that with COVID versus from COVID, right? So NYU Langone is one of the big, big hospitals in the city. They did a thing, 65% of the patients there, 65% are there for something other than COVID. And then they tested positive for COVID while they were there. But 65%, almost seven in 10 were there for something other than COVID. But we need to panic. We need to shut down the city. We need to lock everything down. We need passports. We, it's like, this is insanity. This is insanity. This is how you drive a city into the ground. Like over the summer, New York, I felt as though was coming back a little bit. I spent a bunch of time there. It started to feel like a little normal. It never felt totally normal. Never felt totally normal. And then once de Blasio came out with the key to New York City where you needed to have, you know, vaccines and, and cards and you got to show your papers and all, all of this other ridiculous nonsense. 
New York will not recover if that stuff is in place. It will not happen. I'm going out and I'm saying it now. It's just not going to happen. In other news, in Quebec, up in uh, Canada, the title of this piece is Quebec to impose a health tax on unvaccinated residents. So for people who choose not to inject themselves with a with an experimental drug, Quebec is now going to charge you for that. This, after the Pfizer CEO came out a couple of days ago and said that, yeah, his, his two-shot regimen really doesn't work at all. If, and for those of you who didn't hear that, I think, actually, I heard that it was pulled down off of Twitter, that Pfizer actually came out and made a copyright claim against it and didn't want it online. So here's the audio of the Pfizer CEO talking about his vaccine. Uh, and we know that um, the, three, the two doses of the vaccine offer very limited protection, if any. The three doses with a booster, they offer reasonable protection. Just to stop in there for one second. So he says the two shots offer limited protection, if any. Okay, so just to be clear, the only testing that was done, the only, the only trials that happened with the Pfizer vaccination was with two shots, right? And then we had Dr. Fauci all over TV. Oh, Alex. Oh, you know, the, the shots are 99% efficacious. And then as the months went on, 98 97, 94, 90, 85, right? And the number just kept going down. But to be clear, the only trials, the only testing that was done with these vaccines that Pfizer created was with a two-shot regimen. That's it. No, no third shot, no booster, none of that. So nobody has any idea what the safety profile is of any of that. But we're going forward with it anyway. Let's listen to this James Bond villain-sounding guy again. This guy is straight-up bad news. Straight-up bad news. And I know, you know there's people out there that are getting Pfizer tattoos on their arms. Let's see how well that ages. Let's see how that tattoo and how you feel about that tattoo in five to ten years after we see what actually happens with all of this. Let's listen to that again. Uh, and we know that... Um the, three, the two doses of the vaccine offer very limited protection, if any. The three doses with a booster, they offer reasonable protection against hospitalization and deaths. Uh, uh, in, in, against deaths, I think, very good. Um, and less protection against uh, infection. There is now, there is we are working on a, on a new version of our vaccine, the 1.1, let me put it that way, that uh, will cover Omicron as well. And, uh, of course, uh, we are waiting to, to have the final results. The vaccine will be ready in March. So another vaccine. Another vaccine that covers Omicron, uh, version 1.1. And it's going to be available in March. So it's not done. It's not ready. But what testing are they doing? How extensive is the testing? What are the results of it show? None of it matters. No, nobody cares anymore, right? Because nobody listens to recommendations that experts give to the FDA. Nobody seems to care about any of this stuff. Like all of it's been thrown out the window in the last two years. The drug companies have been given free reign. Do what you want to do. You have no liability whatsoever. Sell as much as you like. And who cares what, what the outcome is? Who cares if people die? That, that seems to be what the feeling is here. How else do you get this clown saying this on TV and then 
I mean, there should be absolute outrage. Outrage. Fauci stood up there for months and months and months and sold us this two-shot regime with, with Pfizer. And he admits in here, it doesn't even work. It doesn't even work. The Canadian Health Alliance did a... Did a um, I'll put this in the show notes. They did a review of the Pfizer six-month trial data. And it was, it's astounding. Astounding. The efficacy actually, the absolute, so they have the relative risk reduction, which is what Fauci and this clown are always um, spewing, right? Where they say, oh, it's 80 to 90% efficacious, right? That's the relative risk. The absolute risk reduction is less than 1%. So I ask everybody out there who's gotten two Pfizer shots, if you knew in actuality that this gene technology that they claim is a vaccine, if you knew that the actual effective rate against COVID to prevent you from getting sick was less than 1%, would you have taken it? Would you have taken it? And when you went to line up for your shot, I ask you, did they, did they really, was it really informed consent? Did you understand the risks associated with it? Did they, did they make it like really obvious, all the information that's in VAERS? It's incredible. There was a woman, uh, a nurse, where is the piece? Uh, where is it? Where is it? Where is it? It was on The Pulse, this website called The Pulse. So they interviewed a nurse. The nurse testifies that more children are dying from the COVID vaccine than from COVID itself. This was posted January 7th. I'll put this in the show notes as well. So in brief, they, they sort of give you the abstract of what this piece is about. In brief, Colette Martin, registered nurse, Louisiana, for 17 years, 17 years, has testified that more children are dying from the vaccines in her hospital than from COVID. COVID is not even remotely deadly for children with an estimated infection fatality rate of 0.00027%. Again, 0.0027% infection fatality rate. Governments and regulatory agencies still believe it's a good idea to vaccinate children against COVID, even with such a low rate of death. I would love to know, what is the risk of dying in a car wreck for a child when their parent is driving? What is the risk of that? What is the risk of a child uh, drowning when he goes swimming in the summer? What is the risk of a child dying from the flu? Is it much different than this? It's out of control, folks. The things that are going on are out of control. And the fact that this dude from Pfizer, I mean, these, these drug companies have free reign. They, they're pretty much doing whatever they want to do. It's unbelievable. So now Quebec is going to impose a health tax on unvaccinated residents who refuse to get this apparently worthless, according to the Pfizer CEO, apparently worthless shot. Because the only ones that they, anybody should feel comfortable taking are the ones they did trials on, right? So if you need two shots and a booster, which they never did any sort of trial on, you have no information about what that's going to do to you. And if he's saying, like he said in this piece, you need three shots and a booster, what does that do? What does that mean to your immune system long term? I've, I've heard a lot of doctors talk about this, and I've heard um, some of the analogies that have been kicked around. And there are, there are some doctors that are very concerned about the fact that, you know, when you continually boost yourself with shots like this and you continually put pressure on this virus the way that we're doing, that essentially if you think of your immune system as an offensive line in football, right, where you have an end, tackle, guard, center, guard, tackle, 
there is some speculation that these shots essentially knock out some of those blockers. And those blockers are responsible for not only stopping COVID, they're responsible for stopping a lot of other things, right? Influenza, cancer, autoimmune diseases, right? Those blockers are responsible for a lot of things. And there's a lot of concern about what these potential gene modification therapies are doing to them. So this piece from the New York Post, the Canada province of Quebec has announced that it will, it will impose a new health contribution tax on people who are not vaccinated against COVID-19. You see how the left uses the language? You see how they use the language? Even in, even in giving people who refuse to get an experimental vaccine a tax, they try to make it sound good. A health contribution tax. Well, when you think about contributing to health, right, you <laughs> immediately, at least in my mind, like that sounds like a positive thing. This is not a positive thing. It's not a positive thing. This is punishing people because they didn't do what you wanted them to do. Uh, quote, we are working on a health contribution for all adults who are refusing to get vaccinated because they are a financial burden on all of people of Quebec. Quebec's premier Francois Leguet said Tuesday, according to the uh, agency French Press, only about 10% um, of the residents in Canada's second most populous province are unvaccinated, but they make up half the people in intensive care, he said. Well, how about we talk about prevention and early treatment? How about that? How about somebody bring that up rather than just saying, you know what, rather than talk about anything other than the vaccine, because we don't do that. We only talk about the vaccine. We're just going to tax you. It continues, just over 85% of the residents had received at least one dose by January 1st, according to federal data cited by the C or the BBC. Lagotte said Tuesday that the amount that will be collected is not yet decided, but noted that it will be significant. It'll be significant because, you know, they got to make it painful. Uh, further down in the piece, they note that Eric Dumain, the head of Quebec's conservative opposition party, assailed the plan tax, saying that it was only divide the people of Quebec. And that's exactly what it's going to do. Right. That's what we've been looking at the entire time. How do we other people that don't do what we want them to do? Right. How do we do that? And the thing about this is, it's like not that it hasn't happened in the past where we are dividing each other and trying to otherize people. It's actually pretty evil. If you go to Genocide Watch, there's an international alliance to end genocide. And they have a paper that lays out there are essentially 10 steps that you have to reach genocide. Othering people is part of it. So if we just look at this, right, this is a, I'll, I'll also link to this, but it's off a of genocide watch. Uh, this was originally presented as a briefing paper at the U.S. State Department in 1996. Uh, so they have 10 steps. The first step is classifications. All cultures have categories that distinguish people into us and them by ethnicity, race, religion, and nationality. Right, so if you're going to say us and them, easy enough to do, right? Vaxed versus unvaxed. So we've now, we've now formed a classification, right? Number two, this is step number two, symbolization. We give names and other symbols to the classifications to distinguish them apart, vaxed and unvaxed. Classification, symbolization. Uh, three, discrimination. A dominant group uses laws, customs, and political power to the, deny the rights of other groups. So, and that's exactly what's happening. I don't stay in Manhattan anymore because I can't go and sit down and have a beer. Because I can't walk into Whole Foods without having to show my papers. 
right? They are discriminating against those who choose not to inject themselves with an ex experimental substance. Four, dehumanization. One group denies the humanity of the other group. Look on Twitter. We talked about the website uh, that I mentioned last week where essentially they're celebrating the death of people who have gotten COVID who chose not to inject themselves with an experimental substance, who don't want to be part of this big experiment. The biggest experiment that humanity has ever seen, by the way. Number five, organization. Genocide is always organized, usually by the state, often using malicious to provide deniability to state responsibility. So what are we seeing? I see uh, pieces in the news where they're setting up tasks, task force forces that are going to go around, essentially, that have the authority to apprehend people who are not vaccinated and put them in camps. Okay, so we're, we're already five steps in. So we've already, we, we passed all these things. And people say like, you know, oh, you're a conspiracy theorist. Really? Am I? Am I? T take a look at, uh, at Australia. Take a look at Germany. Take a look at Austria. And they, they keep moving the goalposts, right? Like two shots is no longer vaccinated. And like Fauci said, they're getting rid of the term fully vaccinated. And now it's only, are you up to date? Are you up to date with your shots? Because if you're not, you're not allowed to participate in society. Fauci's evil. Step six, polarization. Extremists drive the groups apart, right? They want to they hate, make the groups hate one another, and they broadcast polarizing propaganda. Well, if CNN and MSNBC and essentially the mainstream media is not propaganda that's polarizing these groups, I, I don't know what it is. Step seven, preparation. National or perpetrator group leaders plan a final solution. So I know that there are, there are camps they, they want to put people in. I, I don't know what they plan to do with them there. So I would, I would guess that we're probably somewhere on step seven or eight. So preparation, number step eight is persecution. Victims are identified and separated out because of their identity. So persecution would be putting these people in camps. So that's step eight. Step nine and ten. Nine is extermination begins. And then ten is denial. So I'm not saying this is going to happen, but it's, it's freaking scary, folks. It scares me. I look at people like Fauci. I look at people like Lewinsky. I look at people like this guy up in Ontario who wants to introduce this tax. I look at people like Macron from France who's saying that he needs to make the lives of the unvaccinated miserable. These people are nuts. These people are absolutely nuts. And they say we're the ones that are crazy. That's where we are. That's where we are. I'm running out of time. So before we get out of here, let's talk about the woke word of the day. Ah, hi, everyone. I'm back. I'm your beta male. What should my name be? Oh, I'll be Chad. Hi, this is Chad. I'm the woke word of the day guy from the Ritz Report. Here to help you understand that you need to be woke and everything should be woke and things that are not woke are just racist. <laughs> Today's woke word of the day is... History. Ah, history. And you thought, you probably thought in your mind, you normie, you probably thought you knew what history was. But history is the systemic colonial patriarchy propaganda that other BIPOC and minority gender identity groups. Ah, also, it's boring. I should read that again because it didn't make any sense. <laughs> history. 
systemic colonial patriarchal propaganda that others BIPOC and minority gender identity groups. Also, it's boring and there are lots of guns, which we don't like. Uh-huh. <laughs> history, ah, uh, history. And last but not least, of course, we, we, can't, we can't get out of here ever without hearing from our leader, the guy who's in charge, the guy who makes us feel good because he's so with it. Hero of the stupid. We hold these truths to be self-evident. All men and women created by go. You know the you know the thing. You know how we talk about it. Are we the people, folks? You're trying your breast, but it never feels like enough. My name's Joe Biden. I'm a Democratic candidate for the United States Senate. Look me over if you like. We see help out. If not, vote for the other by. Unlike the African American community, with notable exceptions, the Latino community is an incredibly diverse community. <laughs> if I wanted a joke, I'd follow you into the John and watch you take a leak. <laughs> Man, you are one pathetic loser. <laughs> There you have it, folks. The man in charge. The man in charge. You are a sad, strange little man. You can just imagine him when he jumps up in front of the cameras. <clears throat> Here we go. <laughs> <laughs> uh, when, Joe, when Joe Biden speaks, that's what we hear. There he goes. President of the United States, everybody. Thanks, Joe. If nothing else, you're good for a laugh. <laughs> And that is going to do it for me, folks. Uh, please, 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 I ask you, share the podcast with your friends, your informed friends, your uninformed friends, those who walk around staring at the carpet, talking to trees, whoever it might be. I think they probably could benefit from a couple of laughs and sharing some of the data related to the day. And please, if you like what you hear, go and give me a rating on iTunes or wherever you get your podcast. I certainly would appreciate it, and it helps the show grow. Check me out on the gram and on Twitter, which I think I'm going to leave, but I'm still on there now, at Ritz Report and at Get on Getter. I am Alex Ritz. Alex Ritz, and send me notes of adoration and love or pure hatred to Ritz at RitzReport.com. I'm always a fan of the old, old school uh, email. And don't worry, folks, we're going to get through this together, right? We're on a mission here. The Ritz Report, we're on a mission to make every all the things make sense. Because, you know, we live in a world where that we literally have people reassigning the genders of plastic potatoes. So <laughs> we need a place where we can go and sort of clear our head. And that's what the Ritz Report is for everybody out there who's got a level head and can think clearly and has some critical thinking ability. That's why we're here. And that's why we're sharing this time together. Thanks for joining me. I will see you again next week. Enjoy your weekend. Uh, stay warm if you're in the Northeast. And if not, you know, have fun, do whatever you're doing. I'm actually going to Florida at the end of the month. Woohoo! I'm going down. Going to look at some real estate, enjoy the warm weather. But until next time, thanks for joining me on the Ritz Report. And as always, let's go, Brandon. Brandon.